0: Let my prayer be there
1: First Peter chapter one verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you.
2: All right. We are going to be in the book of 1 Peter this morning. And I had Brother Gene read in the first chapter, although we're going to spend some time in the second chapter. But I wanted us to see 1 Peter chapter 1, and I wanted to establish who... Peter was talking to when he was writing this. Who was he talking to? Well, Brother Jing just read it for us. In the first verse, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And then, he includes us. The second verse says, he is writing to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, he says, and peace be multiplied. So I just wanted to spend a minute or two right here. He is establishing who he is writing this to. Alright? We are if we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us personally, we are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. We've pointed out before, and I'll point out again just for a moment, that when it says the foreknowledge of God, he's not saying that God the Father looked ahead of time and said, oh, Chuck Pierce, you're going to be a pretty good old guy. I think I'll choose him. No, he didn't do that. No. He established and He elected a people. He was God, the creator of all things. Did He have a right to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely He did and He does. No, He foreknew you. And this foreknowledge, it's a knowledge of with favor or love. You look into that, you'll see that. He loved you even before the foundation of the world. And He laid out and designed a perfect plan for you. He is in control of all things. There is not a rogue molecule. I like that. There's nothing that's not under His control. He's been given all power in heaven and on earth, Jesus Christ. All right. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Well, we know and we've taught here for many years that when God saves us, the Bible tells us that He quickens us who are dead in trespasses and sins. We look at that word quicken and we realize that it means to give life to or to make alive. And when He does that, He puts His Spirit within us. A setting aside or a sanctification of the Spirit of God. He puts His Spirit within us. And by doing so, He sets us aside or He sanctifies us. He makes us special. Oh, when we look at ourselves, we don't feel very special, do we? But let me tell you, in the eyes of God, you are. Because He sent His only begotten Son to live a life on a sinful, cursed earth. And then to voluntarily give that life up for you. You're special to Him, let me tell you. Very special to Him. And then He says, unto obedience. Well, unto means after this, then this is going to happen, right? Right. So He's speaking to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. He saved us and put His Spirit within us. Unto obedience. We were not only disobedient, to God before He saved us in our own natural uh, in our own natures human natures but the Bible tells us that our hearts were enmity against God that means that we naturally hated Him no one could keep God's law no one ever did except for Jesus Christ and He did it for you why? Because He loved you in spite of the person you would be in your nature. What a Savior. Unto obedience. We love Him now. Why? Brother Chuck pointed it out. Because He loved us first. And He changed us. He gave us an affinity for Him. An affinity for Him. In other words, we're drawn to Him now. We care about what his book says now it applies to us now it's no longer black words on white pages that have little meaning now it's rich spiritual food and nourishment again this morning we are going to look at being nourished by god's word i guess this will be the second installment in that brother chuck being nourished by God's word. All right. Let's read a couple more verses in chapter one before we go to chapter two. Chapter three says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What did Jesus Say to Lazarus, Brother Hooper and I was talking about this yesterday, son. He said, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. He didn't tell him how to be saved, but he told him what must happen to him. He must be born of the water. That means he's a human being, right? When you were born, your mother's water broke, right? You don't remember, but you were there. That's what happened. You were born, but Jesus explains that in like manner you must be born of the Spirit of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1, 3, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again. You've been born or begotten again, and that by the Spirit of God. It's Jesus' explanation of salvation, isn't it? You must be. You can't do it on your own. You don't have the authority or the power. When God put man out of the Garden of Eden, now Adam and Eve were separated from God. They no longer had access to the tree of life that grew in the midst of the Garden. But God said, lest man put forth his hand and take of that tree. But he couldn't. Why? There were cherubims and and the flaming swords and all that, a barrier, right? But he sent his Son to provide a way. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, when he gave up the ghost, the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. Nobody had access to that holiest of holies but who? The high priest. Let me tell you, that was a display of a fact. And that fact was, Jesus Christ had done away with that curtain. And He is our high priest now. Mm -hmm. And He gained access to Himself for us through His actions. Oh, So often we repeat that salvation is not of works, and it's biblical. But the deeper explanation is salvation is not of our works but it's of Jesus' works. You see, He qualified to die for you. He never sinned once. All right. Verse 4 says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, you elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, who are kept by doing the best they can, By being as good as they can. By all the good works that they do in their life. No, and all these things are good. I'm not putting them down. We are saved unto good works. There's that word again, unto. Who are kept by the power of God. And God works by means, doesn't He? How does He keep us by His power? Through faith. Through faith. Where would you get that faith? The Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the author of that faith. But it goes further, doesn't it? He's the author and the finisher of our faith also. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. As the brother said, it's closer today than it was yesterday. The last time. All right. Now turn with me to the second chapter of First Peter. Some of this uh, may be a little bit of repetition, but sometimes repetition is what we need. All right, First Peter chapter two and verse one says, "Wherefore." Well, when we see "wherefore" or "therefore," we want to back up a little bit, don't we? We want to know what was said previously. Verse 18, chapter 1 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. And it grates against people when you go against the traditions of their fathers, doesn't it? Or their grandmothers, usually is the case, or their mothers. But it's necessary isn't it? if grandmother was incorrect. So, yes, you were bought but not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, verse 19, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He never sinned once, did he? Could he have sinned if he wanted to? Well, he couldn't have wanted to because he was God. He was impeccable, wasn't he? He was God and man. All right. Who verily was foreordained, verse 20, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last things, Times for you. There's that word, foreordained again. God is in control, isn't He? God has a perfect plan, Amen. a perfect blueprint and design, and none can thwart His hand. None can change His plan. Nobody can come up with a different plan to accomplish a connection with God, can they? No. Who by Him do believe in God. How do we believe in God? By Him. By His power. And we just read, we're kept by His power. Who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. How can you obey the truth? Through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. That's how we know God's people, isn't it? They love each other, don't they? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth abideth forever, for all flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, all right, we're back. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So, where did he begin in his teaching here? He began by cleaning the palate before we partake of the spiritual food. I mentioned this last week. It just came to my mind when we're at the steakhouse over there. They give us sherbet, and you ask them why. Well, why'd you bring me sherbet? I'm waiting on a steak and a baked potato. Well, sir, that cleanses your palate. It takes the taste of other things out of your palate so that you can enjoy your steak. Well, I see that Peter is doing that here. He's telling us to cleanse our palate. Shake loose those things that stick to you, that sin every day. They washed each other's feet in the Old Testament and the New Testament, didn't they? Often, why? Because as they walked in their daily life, They wore sandals and dust accumulated on their feet, and they needed their feet washed, didn't they? Well, it's very relevant to our lives because as we walk through our daily lives, sin clings to us, doesn't it? And the desire of sin clings to us, doesn't it? We need to wash that off, don't we? Lay aside these things. Malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies. Oh, envies. That's a rough one. Look back at Cain and Abel. That was a deep hatred out of envy. It caused Cain to kill his brother. All right. And all evil speaking. So we're not only to watch what we say, but where does what we say come from? It comes from what we think, doesn't it? So we have to, we need to prepare ourselves to partake of God's Word. It's important. Just like the sherbet cleanses our palate. So we need to cleanse ourselves before we approach God, don't we? We need to look at ourselves, investigate our own minds and hearts, don't we? I know I don't like what I see. That's why Peter is telling me and you, To get rid of those things. All right. As newborn babes, verse 2 desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. When the Lord called me to preach, I was actually talking to uh, the pastor of Olive Baptist Church about it. And I told him that I felt like the Lord was calling me to preach the gospel. And you know, I found out shortly after that that the gospel is everywhere in this book. It's everywhere. It's not just in Matthew, Luke, John, and Acts. It's everywhere. It's not just in Paul's epistles. It's everywhere. Jesus Christ is God. Nothing was created that wasn't created by Him. He's eternal God. The gospel or the account of Jesus Christ coming to this world, living a perfect life and giving His life, it has always been in God's plan. How do I know that? Look back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve hid from God. Why? Because they were naked. He asked them, Who told you that? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten? of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil that I forbade you to eat thereof and told you in the day that you eat thereof you will surely die? Well, it's that woman you gave me. and the, the serpent, he beguiled me. But the fact is they disobeyed God willingly. They covered themselves with fig leaves. And to the human... That looked pretty good. He couldn't see her no more and she couldn't see him anymore. But not to God, see. God sees right through human works, doesn't He? And He sees the sinfulness right through our works. No, but He took a life. How did I know that? Because He covered them with coats of skins. That was an innocent life that God took. And it depicted... His plan to send His Son, He was without sin. He was innocent. Yet, He was sacrificed for you and for me. The sincere milk of the Word is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We continue to return to it. I know I went a long way around to get here. But we continue to return to the Gospel of Because it's so important. God continues to strengthen this life that He's given us when He quickened us. That's what He did. He put life within us, even in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. And He continues to strengthen us by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we keep returning to it. Keep returning to it. It's the milk of the Word. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. That's bringing everything down to the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't it? The sincere milk of the Word, even as a newborn babe. I've mentioned this before, but what does a newborn babe think? What's, what's on his mind? What's his desire? It's mama's milk, isn't it? As soon as possible. That's how we need to feel about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to think about it. We need to use it as a baseline for our thought processes, don't we? We do. We need to cleanse our palate and look at the gospel. Why? Verse 2 says that you may grow Thereby, if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let's look just for a second at John chapter 6. I'm sure y'all know where I'm going with this. John chapter 6 and verse 39. John six thirty nine, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last days. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Again, they saw the human side, not the spiritual side that He was teaching. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to Me except the Father which sent Me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Taught of God. Peter is teaching us how to prepare ourselves to be taught of God, isn't he? Yes, cleanse your palate by getting rid of those things that affect your mind and that pollute your mind, the things of the world. Then approach God's Word in prayer. It is written in the prophets that they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh Unto me. That's a sure thing, isn't it? Salvation is a sure thing because it's based on Jesus Christ and not on me or you. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. I am that bread of life. So, in verse 3... First Peter chapter 2, when he says, If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He is the bread of life, isn't he? He is the Word. The Bible tells us that very thing. We are spiritually nourished when we feed on Him. we feed on Him when we look into His Word and seek Him. And we're strengthened that way, aren't we? Absolutely. Alright, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, we're back now, First Peter chapter 2 verse 3, verse 4 says, To whom coming as a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, oh, he is a precious stone, isn't he? Ye also, as lively stones or living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also is contained, verse 6 in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. This church is not these walls this church is not this ceiling and roof and these pews it's you and it's me it's a spiritual building that God is building and it's important that we realize how God is building this spiritual building well he's got an elect chief cornerstone don't he the cornerstone in the temple was dead it was just a rock let me tell you, the cornerstone in this temple, in this building, is alive. Amen. And all the weight of this spiritual building that God is building is transferred to and dependent on that one chief cornerstone. <clears throat> and that rock is Jesus Christ. You see how all of our confidence, all of our dependence must be on Him. Peter knew that he he wasn't this rock. No, he was a pebble. But Jesus Christ was the rock. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And His church is built on Him. There's none other. There's no other name by which you must be saved. There's no other foundation that'll stand through the wrath of God. I think we've all stood out here in the surf in the Gulf of Mexico. And when you're standing there, the sand starts to shift under your feet, doesn't it? It doesn't take long. You won't be on your feet because you're standing on sand. And anyone this morning... Within the sound of my voice who is standing on, resting on, depending on what you've done in your life to get to heaven. Let me tell you, it's like the sinking sand out here in the Gulf of Mexico. It won't hold up. We must be standing on the rock. The rock of Jesus Christ. Ye also, verse 5, as living stones, lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual... Sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We recently did a little study on Cain and Abel. And we asked the question, why did God have respect to Abel's sacrifice? Why not to Cain's? And we saw again, as we see today, these two methods of approach to God. One by works and pride. One by the dependence on the shed blood of the Son of God. Only one is successful. There's only one way to please God. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by... Jesus Christ. Let's take a look back in Hebrews for a second. I'm sure y'all know where I'm going on this. To what some call the faith chapter, chapter 11, and verse 6. Now he's been talking about uh, these men of old. I'm sorry. Let's start in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, It's the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtain a good report. By it, the elders obtain a good report. By what? By faith. By faith in what I can do in and of myself and present to God? No. No. By faith in Jesus Christ. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. There's Jesus Christ again. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. How else could he have offered a sacrifice that would please God? There's no other way. It's faith in the Son of God. Faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. By faith, verse 4, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. God said that to Cain, your brother's blood, speak to me from the ground. It was by faith, verse 5, that Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony. He pleased God. How do you think Enoch pleased God? Well, there's only one way. And that's by faith in his son. That's how. Verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible To please Him. To please God. It's impossible. There is no other way. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one cometh to the Father but by me, He said, that's exactly what He meant, isn't it? There is no other way. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is. Well, well, doesn't all humans have the capability to believe in God? Not to the saving of their souls. They do not. It takes the quickening spirit of God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Again, Matthew 16, 18. The Lord talking to Peter. He says, Upon this rock I will build my church. Well, in Peter's writings here, we certainly see that Peter knows that he's not that rock. but Jesus Christ is that rock. Alright. Verse 6. Back to First Peter chapter 2. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth in him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, He is precious. Is Jesus Christ precious to you this morning? Oh, if you know Him, He is. Because He is your only lifeline. He stands between God the Father and you. I can't help but think about uh, Joshua. You know, Joshua went out to take a look at Jericho, the great walls of Jericho. We don't know exactly what he was thinking. But he was contemplating the orders God had given him to take Jericho. And he was looking at this great fortress of a city and one appeared to him. And I believe he appeared between him and Jericho. And Joshua was going to fall down and worship him. And he was allowed to. Who does that tell you that was that met him? It was the Lord, wasn't it? And he stood between Joshua and Jericho. Something we need to realize this morning. In our feeble ways of thinking, we put our troubles between us and God, don't we? Yeah, we do. Well, I'm not going to make it to church today. I got something else going on. I'm not going to read my Bible tonight. Uh... This special show's on. Whatever it is, we tend to put our troubles between us and God. That's a lie. That's not true. The fact is, God is between you and your problems. God is between you and the great walls of Jericho. God has a plan. Oh, and He's going to see you through, isn't He? all the way till we dwell with Him forever and ever. What a great Savior He is. Turn back with me now to Romans chapter 9 and we'll close right here. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and verse 9. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. Well, that wasn't normal. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. I was talking to somebody a few years back and attempting to explain a little bit of election. And good guy, I loved him, Christian guy. But he got mad at me and he said, so you're saying that all the people that God didn't elect don't even have a chance. And I had to explain that with a sovereign God, there's no such thing as a chance, is there? No, there isn't. He knows who's going to win that lottery. Who knows, He knows who's going to get a full house when you roll those dice. God's in control of all things. We want to limit Him, don't we? Let me tell you, God is not limited. Or He saith to Moses, verse 15, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy, on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had of four or before? Prepared Unto glory God's in control y'all If you know him this morning You can rest on that You're not going to lose your salvation I'm not telling you to go sin I'm telling you not to sin Because you love The Savior that gave his life for you Not to sin That you may be strengthened By the milk The sincere milk Of the word of God the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would read our Bibles and trust in God. What a Savior. He provides all that we need, doesn't He? All that we need.